Thank you so much. Please be seated. This uh, morning scripture for the sermon comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Here now the inspired words of God. They all gave full attention to the teaching of the apostles and to the common life, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Great awe fell on everyone, and many remarkable deeds and signs were performed by the apostles. All of those who believed came together and held everything in common. They sold their possessions and belongings and land and divided them up to everyone who was in need. Day by day, they were all together attending the temple. They broke bread in their various houses and ate their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and standing in favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being rescued. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I will never forget the, the day that I left my hometown uh, to actually go to college. Uh, I uh, had a Black Eagle Talon. You can see, that's not the picture of my car, uh, but that's the closest one I could find that was. And uh, I meticulously cleaned that thing. Uh, and I never understood, all, all my friends wanted trucks. And I just thought that was dumb because while they were helping someone move, I was taking girls on dates. <laughs> saying, just saying. So uh, I had my sports car. I loved that thing, and I cleaned it meticulously. And Tiffany rode in that car. She's actually been privileged to be in there. And um, <laughs> I packed it up to the gills, drove all the way to San Angelo, Texas, Angelo State University. And, uh, of course, I unpacked it. One of the first things I did is I turned on the TV, and uh, whenever I saw a commercial that I could order the food and they would bring it to me, I did it. So I ordered like Pizza Hut or something. I couldn't believe it. You know, that's the, I was going from a town for the entire town of Floydata where I grew up, maybe had 2,000 people in it, and I was going to a school that had 3,000 more just students alone than my town and entire town had in it. Uh, and so I was excited about getting to go, uh, go and be a part of college life. But I went about, uh, about a week early. And so uh, I was literally this, and you have to, I know this might be a stretch for some of you to realize, but uh, back then I was full on um, uh, extra, extroverted. Like I was full on extroverted. I didn't have a single introverted bone in my body. Now I have a few introverted bones, but uh, back then it was pure extroversion. And, uh, and I went there, and I was all by myself. No one, school hadn't started yet. I didn't know anybody. I was literally eating in the cafeteria, and there's like two other students there. Uh, and so I was eating at restaurants and eating in the cafeteria. I was so lonely. And I'll never forget the one day when I realized it just dawned on me that all the things that my parents did for me. Now, I don't know if you have a teen right now, and I don't know if any of you ever got that phone call from your children, that one phone call that was, <laughs> I'm so sorry I treated you like dirt, and, and oh, holy cow, I didn't realize all the stuff you did for me. I mean, my mom washed my clothes for me. She, she, she made breakfast and dinner every single day. 
My father provided gas money. My, he, he repaired my car if anything happened to him. I mean, it was one of those moments in my life because I was at college all by myself, not having my parents, that I realized the vacuum that was in my life. I realized all of a sudden that I missed my mom and dad. And it was more than just them loving me and caring for me. It was actually the friendship that I had with my mom and dad that I missed the most. So I called them. And I mean, I was crying all over the place, uh, just filled with appreciation and love. And I think that none of, none of us really get it, right? I mean, if, if only when we don't have something do we realize how much we appreciated what we had. And I think that's true. So let's think about the time before the church was in existence. Uh, if there was no church, then the only thing that we could be provided with uh, was, say, for example, just whatever society would provide for a community. Now, if there was no church, I mean, don't get me wrong, society does try to create spaces for community, right? We, they build parks, Right? And um, we're supposed to go play in parks. Uh, they, uh, they have, we have movie theaters and concerts. We have cafes. All of these things are supposed to be places where we can be able to be a part of the community that society is providing for us. But even in movie theaters, we have the armrest, right? We still want to separate ourselves away from the community that's there. Uh, even cafes, right? I mean, look at the cafe here. Uh, they're not big, long tables, are they? They're, they're, they're booths. Or there are small tables to where you can still be separated from everybody else around you. And our society thinks they're creating community, but in reality, they're actually just providing places for you to have individual places, and maybe some people will be around you, right? So this new thing that Jesus was creating called the church was something so unbelievably extraordinary. And when it hit this world... It changed the very face of the planet we live on. I mean, it's, you know, grand opening. Here's the church. Everybody come in, right? It's like this big sign up somewhere. I mean, they were doing things in community that were typically reserved for only blood relatives back in the, the early church. Uh, it was so much more. I mean, today, don't get me wrong, uh, in our church, if we find out that someone lost a loved one or they're having a hard time, maybe they just had a baby, then, then they might have four or five casseroles show up at their house. That's sweet, right? That's the way that we know how to be community. We're, we're loving on people when we do that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's definitely not something that uh, includes having a meal with everyone every single night, <laughs> Right? We might put in a little bit of a gift card in our Christmas cards and say, we love you, you know, I'm glad we're the church family, but it's nowhere near the level of family commitment that we were finding in the early church. Let me give you an example. They were selling their own stuff to provide for people in the church. If they had extra land or an extra house, they sold it immediately they brought all of it to one common purse, and then they separated that out, the money, for whoever was in need. Now, if Pastor Laura stood up next week and said, hey, everybody, we're going to try this new experiment. Everyone needs to make sure that their salaries are direct deposited into the church account. Uh, if you have more than one house, you need to sell it, put that in the bucket. And uh, if you have extra land somewhere that you're going to build on, you need to sell it, bring it to us. And then we'll make sure everybody has a happy day. 
I have a feeling our numbers would dwindle, wouldn't it? He's like, hey, uh, we're going to go check out that other church over here. Uh, no walls would be like, yeah, let's go check out no walls. Um, but, uh, but that is the craziness that was going on. Now, here's something that's even more crazy about that. You see, when you have land as a Jewish person, that land, especially in the area that we're talking about, that land was the holy land that God provided for them because they were God's chosen people. That was holy land. We call it the holy lands, right? But I'm serious. Like, that land was passed down from generation to generation to generation all for the purpose of knowing that that was God's holy land for God's people, and they're selling it to care for everyone that was in need. Do you get what's going on here? Can you see the sacrifice that's going on, that's what's being involved? It's way, way deeper than just, hey, we're part of the church family of what we think of today. (laughs) So, Let's go back to the very first verse that we actually talked about. There are four aspects of the early church that we all need to take a look at. And so the first aspect of the early church, we'll put it up here in a second, is they actually studied the apostles' teachings. Well, the apostles learned it from the disciples. The disciples learned it from this guy named Jesus, some dude. And, um, and of course, he taught uh, all the stuff from the, for the, what we think of as the New Testament, but he's also bringing in all the teachings of the Old Testament too. So when they were studying all of the the teachings of the apostles, they were making sure that they were not completely being swayed with whatever society was telling them that they should do or how they should act. They were staying focused and allowing the Bible to be the litmus test for how they live their lives. Beautiful, okay? The second thing that it says that they did was they actually lived life together. It's this term in the Greek is fellowship, It is so much deeper, just like I've explained, than just saying what we call our church family. It was truly family-like atmosphere, eating together, selling their own possessions to take care of each other there. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, they were living together in some cases. It was unbelievable what was going on. And that was the common life. They gathered together to have a common life with Christ and with community with themselves. Uh, the next piece that they said that we did, did is prayer. Uh, I tell everybody that uh, heaven and earth were always meant to be together. They were created to be together. You know that how some people in the evangelical circles would say everyone has a God-shaped hole in their life, you know? And, and that you know, the only thing that can fill that hole is God. Uh, and then some people try to fill it with drugs or alcohol, blah, blah, and that's the way that we actually say it. And they say, oh, no, no, but if you just accept Christ, then Christ fills that hole perfectly. Well, that's the way we need to think about the earth, because earth and heaven, earth has a heaven hole, (laughs) and the only thing that perfectly fits the earth hole is heaven, and we say it in the Lord's Prayer all the time, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you can finish it, on earth as it is in heaven, right? We're heaven people that just happen to reside on earth, okay? So guess what is the bridge between heaven and earth? It's prayer. We're people of prayer. Every single time we pray, we are building those bridges between heaven and earth until someday when they become, become the exact same beautiful intention of Christ. So they were a people of prayer. And they believed that prayer worked because it was literally bringing and ushering in heaven into this earth. 
through our relationships and with Christ. That's powerful, guys. Uh, I hope I woke up somebody. That's powerful, okay? Um, if you don't understand the power of prayer, oh my goodness gracious, I want you to do some study on prayer. It's crazy amazing stuff. And I believe that it works. I've just seen it too much in my life and seen it too much in the life of the church. It's amazing. All right, so the fourth thing that it says uh, is they actually broke bread together. They actually had meals. Now, uh, these meals were actual meals. Um, but at the center of that breaking of the bread, what's implied is what we would call communion. It is centering themselves on a daily basis and reminding themselves that the core of their very being is found in the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. So they centered themselves in the apostles' teaching. They were remembering through taking in the bread and through this meal of the life of Jesus. They lived life together in the very truest, amazing sense, and they were a people of prayer. Those are the four main aspects of the early church. And so what I love to do is I love to take those four aspects of the early church and I want to hold it up to 2018 Christianity Church, okay? And for, uh, just, for, uh, just for, the, for the heaven of it, uh, I'm going to compare our church to it, okay? Yeah, you caught that joke? Yeah. I was going to say poops and giggles and I was like, no. But anyway, all right, so... Let's, let's compare the early church to our church here. Now, I'll be honest with you. It is hard for me not to brag about Bee Creek UMC um, because I am so honored to be a part of this family. I really am. And I love y'all with every ounce of my heart. Um, I can't go too much deeper into that, but I love you. Okay. All right. Um, so let's just start off with the apostles' teaching. I don't know about you. I love when Pastor Laura and when the laity teach and preach in this church. Whether it's a Bible study or sermons, it is unbelievable to me. It's challenging to me, and it's a blessing to me. And I hope that that is a beautiful aspect of who we are as a church. So I can say check mark, okay? We got, we got number one done. We still are still following the, 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 the teachings of the apostles, which is the teachings of Jesus, which is the teachings of the disciples. Beautiful, amazing, wonderful stuff. We actually love the Bible, and we read the Bible, and we study it. Uh, a, a prayer. Oh, my goodness, guys. Uh, yeah, obviously, we just prayed, right? We just prayed in service. So we, we pray at least once a week <laughs> as a community. And, uh, but I, I have a feeling that I don't, I don't know if you guys know the dedicated and the amazing uh, people that are a part of the prayer team in our church. Um, they are so powerfully talented about being bridge builders between heaven and earth for you and for me and for us as a community and for, and for the rest of the community among us. Uh, and so I think it's a beautiful aspect of the prayer that happens in this church. And of course, I think the majority of us, we pray just individually, right? I mean, hopefully you are praying individually each day. <laughs> uh, if you're a member of the church, you have actually said, yes, my attempt and goal in life is to pray at least 10 minutes a day. And that is powerful stuff. I think that we are a praying church and it is a beautiful, beautiful aspect of who we are. And so I can say, check mark, that's awesome, we're good. Now, that living life together stuff, that, that deep, deep, deep sacrificial understanding of community and discipleship found within it, I think we could go a little deeper. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. 
I think our church is phenomenal at loving one another and caring for one another. But when we only see each other once a week, it's a challenge to be able to truly, truly live life with one another. Um, and so, uh, because of that, we, through lots of prayer and through lots of discernment, have decided as a staff and leadership uh, in the church that we want to create an opportunity for us to be able to live into that kind of a community, uh, and, and that's what we're calling life gatherings. Now, I get it. I really do get it, because by the time that I have to go to work, to go to and from work, to get home, to even possibly even think about cooking something, uh, on top of all the extracurricular activities going on with kids at school um, and, and just trying to find time to sleep, good Lord, it is ridiculous to think that we could be able to be that level of community where we are all as a church eating together every night. Mm. Right? That's ridiculous. That seems completely impossible. And yet... If you are like me or if you've ever experienced a small group, you long for that. You long for a group of people that will provide space and time of comfort when you are in need, of shoulders to cry on, of, of people that will celebrate when amazing things in your life occur. You might need uh, a, a retired couple to play with your kids to give you a date night. If all you do in this life is stay in your little huddle of a home, then the community can't be what Christ intended for it to be. And so we've come up with this experiment called life gatherings. This experiment where we're going to just try to live life together. And we're going to try to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to each of us. Now, I think that most of you probably already have a wonderful, solid group of a support structure of friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors. And that is awesome. Uh, we want to just offer to you uh, a, just a discussion guide that you can use whenever you meet. Some of you don't have that, and you're longing for that. We have lots of people that come in that join our church, and that's the first question they ask is, where's the small groups? I want to get to know people here, and I don't have any way of doing it. Well, now they're going to have a way, you're going to have a way to be able to provide that level of community and support for people. So here's what we're, here's what we're presenting. Uh, life gatherings are just doing life together. They're very uh, non, it's not a high commitment level. We desire for there to be, well, our desire is for everyone to be a part of a life gathering in some way, uh, but we don't have any expectations for how long it's going to take for the, half the church or the entire church to become a part of a life gathering. Now, some of you might just say, yeah, let's start it yesterday, okay? But others of you say, you know what, let's start it uh, halfway through the year or maybe next year. That's okay. That's all right. We're okay with that. We want it to happen naturally. We don't want anyone to force you into the gatherings. We want it to be a true community for you, okay? Uh, we will never ask you to split. We will never ask you to birth. Uh, if you want to be a part of your small group, your life gathering, till you pass away, that's okay. And we're fine with that, okay? 
Um, but we want them all to be centered around the very four main aspects of community that we find in the, earth, in, in the early church. So this is the way it happens. Um, if you know everybody, you don't have to do this part, but I still think it's important. Uh, the first two or three times you would meet over the course of maybe two months, uh, it is purely a party. I actually encourage everyone to have a cook-off uh, and to invite me. Uh, but, um, but that cook-off can be a chili cook-off, a soup cook-off, a cookie cook-off, a cake cook-off. Do you get the theme I'm going with here? Food involved? Because guess what? We break bread together, right? All right, so when you have those three parties, those two or three parties, all it is is to just a, can I deal with these people? kind of question that you're asking yourself. It's like a family dating <laughs> or something like that. But that's all you do. You throw parties to be able to find out if you can handle these people and if they can handle you. It might be my case because they can handle me. But uh, And then after that, we ask for people to be able to join uh, and to just have maybe five to seven weeks of coming together and just trying on the coat of life gatherings. Uh, just trying out this experiment. And uh, what will happen with those, you can meet once a week, once every two weeks. We try to encourage at, at, the, very, at the most time two weeks difference because if you're only meeting every two months, there's a lot of life that goes on in two months that you're going to miss being a part of that deep family if you're waiting two months to meet. Does that make sense? So we just, we're trying to make it as, 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 as easy as possible. But the, the group of people will decide how often they meet, the group of people will decide where they meet. We don't care where you meet. It might be a McDonald's with a playground. It could be your own house. It could be a coffee shop, just whatever is appropriate for the group. Um, and then after those five to seven weeks, they've had a good taste of it. They'll know if it's bitter or sweet or if they like it or not. And then they have one more meeting. I think it's good to have pizza. But that last meeting, over that food, you can be able to decide, yep, we want to keep on going. Nope, we don't want to keep on going. Or some of us say, yeah, we want to keep going. And one person says, yeah, I think I'm going to bow out. I might try another life gathering. It's fine. And that's okay. That's okay. We want to make this as natural as possible. We don't want to force anybody into it. We want you to do this because you are going to appreciate the love that Christ has in community. That's all we're doing. Um, what happens at each of the life gatherings is just a very simple time of gathering and fellowship. A little bit of conversation and discussion around the Bible, which is the apostles' teaching piece, uh, and then prayer for one another. And that prayer time is more of, uh, hey, what's going on in your life? What's up with your life? That's the kind of the prayer question you're asking. Uh, because a lot of times Christians, when I say, what's up with your life, they say, well, my aunt, my sister, my dog, never do they ask or even say anything about themselves, very rarely. Because we're Christians, we're already perfect, right? <laughs> we don't need to talk. Don't pray for me. I'm good. I'm good. No. If we're going to live life together, then we have to live life together. And that means I'm interested in what's going on in your life. And I want to do something about it if I can. So uh, that's pretty much all it is. It's a time of fellowship, a little bit of a conversation and discussion around the Bible, uh, and a little bit of prayer time. And I write that every single week. Whether you meet every week, it doesn't matter. But I write one a week. Um, and then that's what you would use for the discussion guide every single week. And it doesn't have to be the same people leading it. It, can, it doesn't have to be in the same house every single week. I mean, it really is completely up to the, to the group of people how they want to be able to structure that time together. But it's important that they actually are doing the time of living life together. That's all we really want to provide for everyone. So 
God has already filled out your adoption certificate to this new family. He is ready to be able to offer it to you and with an open arms of a hug, it's time to come into the new family the way that Christ intended for the church to be. So we want to invite you to just enjoy this hug that Christ wants to do, that you get to be a hug and you get to receive. That's my favorite part about hugs, right? You get to give one and you get to get one and you get to get one at the same time. That's the best thing. I love hugs. Uh, and so the Christ in this church wants to provide a new family hug for every single one of us and for us to be able to accept that adoption certificate to say, yes, I want to be a part of your family, Jesus. And so I invite you guys to fill out the insert that's in your bulletin, pray about your involvement, whatever time frame it is for you, we want to bring an opportunity for you to experience Christ in a new and powerful way through this way of doing discipleship in life gatherings. And I hope and pray that you can sense and you can see the excitement that God is doing in this new ministry that we're starting here at the church. If you have any questions, Laura, myself, anybody, I want to help to clarify anything, but we want to provide that for you. And so I want to invite you to just pray about how you can be involved uh, within this new ministry of Bee Creek uh, with the Life Gatherings. Let us pray. Gracious God, it is such an honor and a privilege to be called your children, that you have chosen us to be your hands and your feet and your voice in this world and for one another. God, we pray that you can give us discernment and listening how we can be the community that you have in mind when you created the church. We pray that we as a church can bless each other's socks off, that it just gets smelly with how awesome it is to serve you. We pray that you give us the presence of your Holy Spirit so we can be your hands and feet and voice. It is such an honor to serve you. It is such an honor to be a disciple of yours, a student of yours. Help us to come into the fruition of what you have in mind when we say we are part of the new family of God, the church. It is in your precious and holy nature, Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen.